Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. Get a deal with coke. If I wasn't rapping about the past back, dealing dope. We need to join the Podcasters Guild. That's what I think we need. Podcasters Guild. We need to establish and then join the Podcasters Guild. I feel like the establishing of the the Podcasters Guild is going to be an important first step. Yeah, I mean, our labor is basically valueless. We are adding zero, net zero, uh, to everything. In fact, we're draining resources from society to do this podcast. Yep. Uh, which is why we need Thanks to be again protected. Thanks again to the Planet Ant Podcast Network. <laughs> Thank you, Planet Ant, our <laughs> non-corporate uh, taskmaster that is uh, hands-off in every way that uh, is meaningful. Yeah. Hands-off in every way that's meaningful, including all the lawsuits that we're facing right now because hey. of Collins. I will, uh, I'm an expert witness. It, I was it, never you know, the, formally the charged. Six committee. I, hey, I... I did what I was supposed to. All those discovery notices, right in the trash. Instantly, okay? As the registered agent, that's what my job was, yeah. okay? Right. You just shred them. They never existed. If you dissolve the company, you dissolve the lawsuit. It, it's they, never there's existed. There's nobody left to sue. How can they there's sue nobody a company left that doesn't sue. exist? How can they because sue the three men with no assets? Exist. I'll tell you very litigiously, it turns out. It's, it's I'm paperwork. really gonna lose the farm on this one, boys. Wait, you have a farm, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I wish I had a farm. I know. Yeah, Don't I'm gonna all. lose my mountaintop compound. Oh, no, and before we have the shootout with Forestry, too. Oh, man. Speaking no, it's gonna be us, but... Getting into it's, a oh, oh, shootout with the Forestry right, nice. Services. <laughs> well, this, I, just, a, I just love... For, for the record, just, NSA agent, that was a joke. It's clearly a joke, yeah, but it is... I just, I love mail fraud to too show. much. It's mail. Okay, mail fraud is a good time. We all love mail fraud. It's a classic American pastime. Dude, do it's you? It's literally wonder, the best crime you can do. Do you think the, the postal inspection service runs a surveillance network, or do you think they just like read the mail? I hope so. No, of course they don't run a surveillance network. Why have you guys? Seen, why would they? Have you guys? Why seen would, you, the know what, you know what? That, you know what? 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 A surveillance a surveillance team needs email right what does the postal service not use okay <laughs> it's paper mail exclusively yeah it's 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 on principle okay it's when you when you join the postal service they come into your home and they take all of your electronics yeah they're no no you can keep the electronics just no email no no email. no e- none whatsoever yeah they put a blocker that was, on your phone and... that was that was a bit from uh fuck brooklyn 99 um, <laughs> our where jurisdiction I forget, ends. I, for, I, for, 
I forget who played him, but his name was Jack Danger. But they like met him, and his name was oh, it's actually Donger. And, was uh, it Ed and, Helms? and he was like, oh, I don't fucking remember. But um, he was like, uh, they they went to go fi- uh, see him, and he was like, oh yeah yeah, I'll just email to you. He's like, oh no 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 no. We don't use the email here. We use what we call real mail. <laughs> they, <laughs> they called it real mail. I think that was Ed Helms. He did a great job. Okay. Ugh. I feel like we should start the episode. Yeah, I think that's that's good. I think that's good. It was Ed Helms. Yes, ah, it fuck was yeah. Ed Helms. Hell yeah. I'm good at remembering stuff that Ed Helms was in. Do you think Ed Helms is a big cock? What does his wife look? Is Ed Helms married? I hope not. Why do you you, you want some of that big that big helm? No, he just kind of looks like a guy who would have a big dick but still be sad. I think he's actually pretty happy. That's upsetting. I need people who are more famous and wealthy than me to be sad. Or else there's really no point in me being alive. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's married. He's got one kid. Yeah, he's married, he's got one kid, but I think his, uh, his wife isn't... Public He's very, he's very, he's very a private man. He's a very private man. Yeah, he's he's never public. He has never publicly mentioned his wife or daughter by name. I think it's God because damn. he. <laughs> I he think it's be because he. Uh, what? I feel like he used to be something other than an actor. Uh, I mean, no, you that could you're be thinking, thinking of. You're of thinking of um, Ken Jong. Oh yeah, Ken, Ken Jong. Also, also in the Hangover, Hangover yeah, movies. Who's who also a real a doctor, doctor and from yeah. Troy. He's from. Yep. Oh yeah, he's from Michigan. Yeah, well, David Spade, even though you were born here and raised in the Southwest, I'm taking away the favored son status and giving it to Ken Jeong. Favorite? You were going to make David Spade the favorite David Spade. It's him or Dax Shepard, bud. It, it's fucking, first of all, Matt Pike. Okay, but nobody born knows in Detroit. who he is. Nobody knows I know who he is, and that's enough. We, of course, it's, we oh, know. I'm sorry, and also, High on Fire is, like, one of the most popular doom metal bands of today. What? is a funnier thing to say David Spade is Michigan's favorite son or Matt Pike is Michigan's favorite son I rest my case we all know Michigan's favorite son is Kid Rock your honor no, no further questions no your it's honor, actually Iggy your honor I like that stricken from the record <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually, actually Iggy Pop James it's Alan Iggy Osterberg Pop. stop his name it is, is Jim. It, it, Don't call Jim. him by his full name. That's so fucked Jim. up. That's like calling <laughs> your teacher by their first name. I call my dad by his first name. Yeah, well, it's Kevin. different. It's a little bit. I said uh, teacher, you know, somebody you're supposed to respect. All right, so let's let's get to the show, everybody. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, the show where we three stumps attempt to grow out a little bit more of truth into this world before our lives are tragically cut short. And so are our limbs. My name's Justin St. Peter, and I'm a birch stump because I like paper bark. And uh, to my left, it's Colin Stanley, and I'm like the giving tree if all I did was take things from you. To my left, um, my name's Tyler, and well, trees are pretty cool. I could be any of them, and I'd be happy. <laughs> I could be any of them, be any and of I'd them. be happy. He'd be satisfied. It's you know what. It's, I'm sad. We gotta cut down the mulberry tree in front of my house. 
Oh no. Because it's growing literally right in front of my house. Yeah. And if it gets any bigger, it's going to start growing roots into the foundation. So Make yeah, it the city's problem. Fun. It's going to be my roommate's problem because he owns the house. Nah. That's not how trees work. It is. You Unfortunately, can't... we've had to have a, a little bit of a, a couple of talks about tree law because of uh, limbs from our neighbor's trees that extend into our. Our Justin, space. you can't own a tree. It's from the earth. So Justin, Justin's gonna become a tree lawyer, is what I hear. Uh, much, yeah. I'm, much I'm, like, much like Charlie from Always Sunny is a bird lawyer. I'm about to take the arbor bar. The arbor bar. I was gonna say, are you gonna take the the barber? But or there's not a good. I could. I was gonna say arbar. Yeah, that our one bar, works too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was it was a little it was a little much. But anyway, speaking of uh, tree law, Colin's got some green stuff to talk to us about today. Yeah, so fucking put that in your pipe and smoke it, listeners. I'll tell you that much. Uh, you should make like a tree and shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, hey guys, it's your boy. I'm not thinking about uh just. The unending tide of violence that's sweeping through our country. Instead, this week. I'm thinking about something much lighter. Climate change. Now, the, uh, I bet you've seen a post or page on social media that said something like, every dollar donated is a tree planted. And you probably ended up wondering where that money actually goes. Now, astute listeners will probably guess accurately that if we're doing an episode on it, that little, if any, of this money is actually used to plant trees. It, what it turns may- out, if you're on the show out. where we cover dark money and people spending money badly, it's, you know, it, it'll come up. Now, really? what may be a surprise... But I donated $50,000 to Mr. Beast. <laughs> oh my god, what a... That guy, all his whole life is Dude, a fucking... Where? Okay, it's a okay. nightmare carnival ride of illusion and fear. Okay, listen, people are always like, oh, he makes his money from YouTube and, like, you know, from his videos and shit. I, I don't believe it. I think it's a money laundering scheme. Well, I think he's I think he's a disciple of the Golden Calf, much like all the oligarchs that run this planet are. True, mm. True. very well could be. I'm just yeah, worshipping capital to, accumulation to, in, its, to keep in it a literal form. Because if he listens, then I feel like he's going to come to my house and give me a Lamborghini. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, what may be a surprise is how the companies that do end up planting trees uh, uh, end up frequently doing more harm than good. But first, let's talk about why deforestation has become an issue big enough to spawn an entire industry of grifters in and of itself. I think that's a good place to start. So, deforestation, like many features of climate change, becomes a self-reinforcing contributing factor over time. Uh, For instance, increasingly common heat waves. Uh, In fact, this past Saturday, uh, there was a completely unprecedented 104-degree day in southern France... And uh, nearly 50,000 acres of land uh, in Spain have been consumed by wildfires. Jesus, those frogs have never been so hot in their fucking lives. (laughs) Sacre bleu. 
We I gotta make jokes somewhere. There was a melted cheese joke, and it literally, like, I literally could not hold on to it as it slipped from my mind. Jeez. Uh, oh, they're fine. They've, they've, they've never felt heat that hot before. They almost surrendered. <laughs> you can't surrender to the ozone. They might try. You can try. Now, uh, these, these increasingly common heat waves in historically temperate regions threaten global food supplies, uh, which exacerbates famine in already disenfranchised populations, right? So, places uh, like the Midwest, like uh, Western Europe, places that uh, historically grow a lot of the, the planet's food, um, are now basically getting to a point where climate change... Uh, is really really impacting our ability to produce food uh on top of all the issues and supply chains we've seen breaking down uh over the past few years because of the pandemic it's really coinciding to create a lot of uh famine opportunities uh if you're gonna think about it positively <laughs> it's a real glass half full hey Not man food, I, though i'm an optimist you can call me anything just don't call me late for dinner well the because there's is, not enough food for say, a meal there will no longer be any dinner <laughs> the starving will continue until hunger improves <laughs> I, I remember when we used to eat dinner. dinner all right grandpa back in the pod back in the pod grandpa all right eat your nutrition pills give me my soylent green uh, back in my day, we just used to eat people right from. <laughs> we didn't have to eat all this processed crap. We could just eat people. Still made of people, goddammit. Now it's made of soy. <laughs> just mad that he doesn't get to commit cannibalism every We day. used to call those pussy gentlemen soy boys back in the day. <laughs> those pussy gentlemen? <laughs> I don't know. Those, how do, do old do people. Like, how, are, I, how are old people gonna talk in, like. 2070. It's now, honestly... We, we used to call those Grungracks <laughs> Republicans back in my day. Back Grandpa. then, they used to wear suits with little American flag pins instead of leather harnesses covered in the fetus skulls of the children they've devoured. Mom, what does Grandpa mean when he says that the food was bussin'? Oh, you know, <laughs> Yo, like, that shit was... made you want a nut. Made you want a, made you want a freak. That shit was but. Oh, <laughs> Sir, Kimberly, a, a plane. That, that dinner was bussin', no cap. Sir, a plane just hit the Twin Towers. That shit is not bussin'. No cap. No cap. Oh, God, that shit is not bussin'. You know, for real, for real? You know, me and your grandmother actually met at a freak party. Oh, your grandmother was, was a thought. I'll tell you that much. I, you guys your, know, mother, your grandmother was She really so knew how to. Molly. Do you guys she know really knew how to parties? throw it around. What is a freak party? It's, it's a part. This is what I've been told. I, I can't... This is completely unverified. But okay. it's a party okay. Okay. where you put porn on the TV and then you hire strippers and possibly um, sexual workers okay. Uh, okay. for you and your boys. And it's okay. like... I, it seems to me like uh, not a good use of money. But yeah, it does seem like mm, a poor investment. Imagine yeah. if that's how you met your wife. 
at a free. Oh, I met your grandmother. Oh, your Mima was such a whore. Oh, your Mima. Oh, she was a real thought. I'll tell you that much. She'd put a pussy on the stroll, so she was slanging it at this freak party I was at. Oh, your nana could throw it back. Oh, she could and really throw know, it around in a circle. I'll tell you that. Back much. in the day, they used to say, they called me No Rubbers Colin. So, I, you know, I hit it raw, and it burned something fierce for a few weeks afterwards, but then she told me she was keeping your mother, and the rest is history. Yeah. The rest, <laughs> the rest is history. And, uh, I've, uh... They garnished well, my I've... wages all the way to the altar. Yeah. Take, take this no, 20, go down to the corner store, grab Grandpa a breeze. Why, why, <laughs> don't you, why, why don't you take this crisp $150 Trump bill and go on down to the party store. Why don't you go buy me a uh, 124-ounce Bud, Bud Light? One 24-ounce Bud Light and one cigarette. For $150. <laughs> why don't you take this... Why don't you take this wheelbarrow full of Reich marks and head on down? <laughs> Go get us head a on, loaf of bread. Go on down to the loaf of bread store and make sure you throw a brick through a Jewish business owner's window on the way back. That's a good boy. <laughs> it's awful. Awful, awful. Uh, now, uh, due to capitalism's uh, profit incentive and natural sequestration of capital upwards, the clear answers... Uh, to the problem of climate change-induced famine, uh, equitable food distribution, and regenerative farming practices are completely disregarded in favor of simply, quote-unquote-unquote, making more food. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Because why, like, take the time to breed better chickens when you can just... just fucking pop out millions of them at a time just and make them and, fuck uh, more yeah, and honestly it's not even that more. it's like we have the resource like we like the idea that people starve because there's not enough food is ridiculous we have there's more, more than, than enough food, food for everybody oh, yeah. nobody nobody in the world ever has to go hungry ever we have more food than people to eat it um but because of capitalism a lot of this food is uh, flagrantly wasted or thrown out. Uh, or, a lot of times, producers of said food, even though they've cleared land for the use of food production, are paid by their government not to produce food or to produce less uh, food uh, because it's about extracting the most amount of value, and not feeding the most amount of people. Like we've talked about before, creating that wonderful artificial scarcity that uh, pushes capitalism forward. Well, of course, you got to maintain market value or else, you know, who's going to grow the food? Well, it turns out people are going to grow food anyways because people need food. Because Whoa. we need to eat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Now, this this issue is especially poignant uh, in South America where tens of thousands of acres of forest are clear-cut every year uh, to produce uh, more pastures and farmland as a Band-Aid solution. Now, this is done uh, more recently, not even at the behest of uh, food production or governments within the region, but uh, at the behest of completely distant, disconnected uh, financiers. Uh, the, three, uh, the three large uh, producing meat packing companies that existed within Brazil, which is one of the largest uh, producers of beef in the world, um, all three of them 
are now transnationals whose original owners only own fractions of the company and are managed by overseas conglomerates. Uh, very similar to the, the way a lot of the agriculture in the United States is run nowadays uh, by people completely disinterested and actually uh, producing food or feeding people only in their profit margins. So the clear cutting for cattle uh, in the Amazon makes up about 70% of its deforestation and over 8,100 square miles uh, were cleared in just 2020 alone in total. So 70% of that 8,100 square miles of Amazon rainforest, 70% uh, of that just for cattle. Yep. Yeah, just, just, just so we can grow more cows to incorrectly address a problem. And you're going to see, listeners, or rather hear, how quickly these problems snowball. Exactly. I mean, the food that this damage is meant to generate is far from sustainable. Uh, as more previously forested land is cleared for agricultural use, uh, the trees and vegetation that maintain soil nutrition and integrity are no longer there to fertilize the ground or to hold back the tide of soil erosion. Uh, this leads to sandy, uh, uh, denuded soil that contributes not only to massively damaging dust storms, but further deforestation and desertification as new growth is unable to take root or sustain itself. Uh, basically, yeah, you, you have these, uh, you know, a lot of these trees, a lot of this vegetation, their roots are ending, basically what ends up holding uh, the soil in place and their decaying bodies uh, and the decaying remains of their offspring are what oftentimes provides the nutrition to future generations of growth. So when you take them out, you not only prevent that specific tree or that specific shrub from growing back, but also any other shrub or tree growing back in that spot. So even if, a lot of times, even if this farmland uh, that's made is allowed to grow fallow, a lot of times it's so sandy that the forest just simply can't reclaim it. Now, the Amazon Wonderful. is currently 17 to 18% deforested and is estimated to have a, a, a tipping point of 20 to 25%. Yeah, so we're almost there, folks at home. Yeah, so uh, uh, officials familiar with the situation have said that we need to basically completely halt deforestation of the Amazon within the next 5 to 10 years. Uh, because if we don't, if we don't halt that deforestation, and if we don't decrease the annual uh, average deforestation rate of 1%, if we don't decrease that or stop deforestation uh, by man-made means, the natural momentum of uh, deforestation and desertification uh, may still end up pushing the Amazon into an unstoppable death spiral. Where basically, because you're losing these trees, they end up damaging the ecosystem further, which furthers the deforestation. So yep. even though people, even if people stopped clear-cutting, if you do too much damage, it's going to spread through the rest of the rainforest and turn uh, what is right now uh, an enormous fertile river basin into a desert, into, uh, a, you know, a big fucking sand pit like you'd see in the southwest United States. It's and we don't need more places for our middle-aged parents to retire to like that. We don't. <laughs> Jeez. And it's, uh, the problem is it's not a dry heat down there. It's very humid, so. <laughs> be a moist desert. 
Although with deforestation, typically you see the water table drop. So an issue that you'd normally see with climate change, decreased access to fresh water is only made worse when you start removing trees from the equation because groundwater is going to go deeper underground, making it more difficult to access. Hmm. So you must be asking yourself, surely we can just plant more trees, right? Yeah. And it must be that simple. In fact, I saw an Instagram story back in November that said, post your pet and we'll plant a tree. So there must be plenty of people on top of it, right? It's tons of people planting trees. Piles of them, right? No. Reforestation efforts like we have seen in the New Deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Just like the New Deal. Uh. Which, by the way, folks at home, uh, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the, uh, you know, the quote-unquote old-growth forest that you see here in America is, uh, is, is just shit that was planted by legions of unemployed people during the Great Depression. They weren't unemployed. They were employed by a fucking works program from the federal government. They were employed, and it was because the federal government was like, we're going to give people jobs because, I don't know if you guys know about this, back during the Great Depression, we had a little thing before that called the Dust Bowl. And what was what caused the Dust Bowl? Massive deforestation. Was it? Was it really? Yeah. Oh wow. We we completely overworked the land. Uh, people weren't rotating crops. People were uh, plowing fields in places like fucking Oklahoma, which don't have the natural vegetation to hold the soil together already. No. Let alone if you're going to clear cut little that remains. So you create this, these circumstances where. You're just covering the fucking country in dust, uh, which straight up killed, like, thousands of people and, like, damaged for life thousands more. Like, the amount of people that are would have respiratory problems for the rest of their life because they grew up on a Dust Bowl farm, it's incalculable, the amount of people. There's, there's no way to determine all the people that died and all the people that got sick because of just, like, the complete reckless expansion of farmland west it's unreal yeah it, i mean it's it, like like many things idealistically it is totally unsustainable and one of the things um and something that we're going to talk about later one of the one of the things that uh the works project the works program uh helped install were uh what we call in the u.s wind breaks so in michigan you see them everywhere uh where you'll see like a big plot of farmland and then you'll see, like, a really narrow strip of trees, uh, like, bordering it, basically. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it, if you didn't know what it was, you would just assume, like, oh, there used to be a forest here, and they trimmed it down. Uh, actually, no. What used to be there was farmland, uh, and they planted those trees there literally to help prevent the more dust bowl, basically. Yeah. Because, up in, especially in Michigan, we get really high winds coming off the lakes, so all the farmland that we have is super, super susceptible to soil erosion because of how sandy all of our soil in Michigan is. So without these windbreaks, we'd be like a barren fucking wasteland. Uh, but that doesn't mean that windbreaks are good. Uh, windbreaks are usually uh, the result of afforestation, which we're going to talk about a little bit more towards the end of the episode. But in this case, uh, is not good for the local ecosystems because it expands... Um, the environment for generalist predators. Generalist predators are uh, predator animals that can survive in multiple environments. 
yeah. uh, which means that specialist prey, animals that only survive in very specific or a very small number of environments, are now at a disadvantage, where generalist predators can multiply and thrive, and uh, specialist prey can't. Um, so you end up seeing like whole chunks of ecosystems just disappear because of these windbreaks uh, and afforestation efforts like them. Now, back to that that Instagram story. So there, there back in November uh, of 2021, uh, there was an Instagram story that basically said, "Ah, post your pet, uh, and we'll plant a tree." Now, uh, Patrick Marlborough uh, at Vice did an excellent job explaining uh, why the company that posted that plant a tree, uh, plant a tree co's, uh, plant a tree co. I can't fucking speak. Uh, was basically just in engaging in a drop shipping scam and using uh, tree seeds as the product that they were drop shipping. Basically, um, it turns out that there's actually a whole industry of shifty reforestation nonprofits and NGOs. Uh, what? Even greenwashing got greenwashed. Yeah, there's literally like hundreds of these organizations. It would be a complete other episode to go through all of them. Uh, so what I've decided to do instead is, um, basically, I'm going to mooch off the work <laughs> of one of the few uh, seemingly ethical forestation nonprofits, uh, Plant It 2020, uh, which is a 501c3 founded in 1992 by Roswell's favorite spaceman, Mr. John Denver. Like the John Denver? Like the, the John Denver. John Denver? John Denver founded Planted 2020 back in 1992. Oh. Uh, John Denver, avid uh, conservationist, avid hiker, avid outdoorsman, uh, like advocated against uh, the Arctic drilling, uh, advocated for uh, like all these like hunger programs, uh, was like a, a dove, like great guy, obviously, John Denver. And yeah. one of the projects that he uh, started was Planted 2020, which is a reforestation uh, nonprofit. Now, um, they've I, I, I've sent it in the chat, um, and hopefully uh, Justin uh, will link it uh, with the episode. Uh, yeah, but there sure is the... there is a PDF that Planted 2020 has so graciously put together um, that not only talks about um, all the different ways that uh, reforestation nonprofits scam people, um, but also how to tell whether or not one is, um, and um, a few uh, organizations that they think are worth your money and time. That's uh, good. It's 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 good that they are providing something that's like, hey, these are all the shit places, but these are people that we can verify as being good. Like we here at Worst in the Industry, we don't just want to tell you the horrible stuff. We want to give you a call to action as well. Now, honestly, Planet 2020, like, I feel like the people that... Uh, Michael Thau, the guy that that uh, is credited uh, with writing this PDF, I feel like he would get along great with us here at Worst in the Industry. Um, because the way he breaks down, like, all these scams, it's so fucking perfect. Um, so he, they include the money for nothing scam, the what happens to the trees scam, the protecting the forest scam, 
Uh, plant a tree phrase deceptions. Number of trees planted phrase deceptions. And carbon capture phrase deceptions. Uh, then gives a whole list of red flags. Uh, and then walks you through step by step on how to investigate and select uh, these reforestation organizations. And, uh, you know, what you should be doing. Um, he actually has some really interesting points to talk about uh, when it comes to uh, carbon sequestration and something that gets talked about a lot now and something that a lot of countries are looking at when they talk about rolling out a carbon credit is basically incentivizing planting trees. Um, we're going to talk about why this could be a problem, but he, he points out uh, that, you know, a lot of times um, they're not planting the kinds of trees that actually are good at absorbing uh, carbon and a lot of times uh, these organizations are planting trees in areas that are already set aside for logging so they're not even meant to to become old growth forests like a lot of uh, tree uh, planting organizations uh, claim is the best way forward which we at worst in the industry agree old growth forests are going to be your best bet in terms of regenerating the planet um, but they don't they make it seem like that's what they're doing but in fact these trees are either uh not suited to the environment they're being planted in or are marked to be logged so they're yeah, not going already, to live yeah already slated to be lumber which is not doing anyone any favors because that's you know the whole yeah, it's, the goddamn problem yeah all the carbon that that tree absorbed is now going to get uh basically completely uh you know negated uh, and he actually talks about um, something that I don't think a lot of people even think about when they think about, uh, you know, these organizations that tout carbon sequestration or carbon capture is how a lot of times it takes more carbon, it, it expends more carbon to plant the tree than it would, uh, uh, than it would actually absorb over the course of its lifetime, especially in situations where its lifetime is being artificially shortened on purpose. Um, so uh, they talk about, like, if you're driving a car to plant these seeds, that's a problem. If you're planting seeds and not seedlings or saplings, that's a huge problem. Because you end up basically um, spending time, effort, and carbon on things that don't typically come to fruition. It's very difficult to get uh, seedlings out of certain varieties of trees, especially... Uh, like the kind of hardwood trees that you really want to have uh, in these reforestation programs. They're going to really help uh, fight against soil erosion, uh, fight against uh, denude, uh, the, the denuding of soil, and uh, to help absorb as much carbon as possible. Um, they're just not going... You can't just throw fucking acorns down. It's not how this fucking works. You're uh, telling me I can't Johnny Appleseed my way back to the uh, full ozone layer? No, you can't white supremacist legend your way across the American West. No, oh, I can't just plant a, a highly invasive species all over this new country. Honestly, and I'm going to talk about this at the end of the episode as well, I am really getting to a point with invasive species where I think a lot of it is bullshit. Well, it's, so it, it's about making a difference between invasive species and actually obstructive species to a natural ecology, right? Yeah, well, but that's, that's another episode. So, um, I love, you should definitely take a look at this PDF and take a look at, uh, planet2020s. Uh, and I'm not saying planet 
P-L-A-N-E-T. It's literally plant it. P-L-A-N-T-I-T 2020.org. Come on, uh, you fucking Michigander. Pronounce all your T's, bud. I can't do it. <laughs> you can't make me. Uh, but my favorite paragraph, if I may read it, it uh, is is right here. Um, and it's it's when they're talking about... It, it, the author does such a great job. So they, they go through all these red flags and talk about how like you should be able to like communicate easily. You should be able to get clear and concise answers to all these questions. Uh, they should make this information public. All these things, right? And they say, uh, and this is uh, in, with the idea that a lot of organizations aren't perfect when it comes to transparency, even if they are doing good work. Uh, just because not every you know organization can be exactly perfect in every single way, right? Um, so here, here's what Planet 2020 says uh, about this. I love it. Public foundation tree planting organizations providing poor transparency will obviously criticize these red flag standards in order to protect their contribution stream and reputation. Let them bitch. We live in an age with sta- <laughs> we live in an age when Madoff, Stanford, and many other seemingly reputable business people were massively defrauding their customers. If a public nonprofit tree planting foundation is unable or unwilling to provide adequate transparency, they should be in another industry. I fucking popped a Woody when I read that. What a great fucking paragraph! Mm, it's a beautiful what paragraph. A good one. It, it, it is succinct, it is straight to the point, and it does not mince fucking words. It's per- Let them bitch. Exactly. Let them Let bitch. Let them bitch. If they have a problem with it, it's it's proof that they're not serious about the work that they say they're doing, right? Exactly. It's great. I love it. So, okay. What is... So here, we, we know now that a lot of these reforestation projects are... Uh, you know, they're, they're double counting seeds. They're expelling more carbon than they're, uh, collecting. They're saying they're saving the forest, uh, but really just sitting on a plot of real estate to make money off that. Uh, they're, they're not doing the kind of work that they're purporting doing. They're, they're really greenwashing, greenwashing. Like Justin said, they're, they're making it out that they're making an environmental impact when really they're doing either nothing, uh, next to nothing, or active harm to the environment. So, what do you do? You know, what, what, how, how are states and how are organizations supposed to act, right? Like, what, what is the path forward? If you're saying that these NGOs, these nonprofits aren't working, what can people do? Or, you know, what, what is supposed to be done? What right? can I do? What signs can I post in my front lo- front yard? Colin. Yeah, well, this isn't the call to action yet, so we're not going to talk about it on the individual level because there's All honestly right. not much you can do. But when we talk about when, when we talk about things on the show, when we talk about issues, whenever we're talking about a problem, we're not just saying, "Oh, that's a problem. We hope somebody fix it, fixes mm-hmm. it." We're talking about it because there are parties with the power and the leverage to fix it who are actively choosing not to, or are doing it in such a way where they don't actually have to solve the problem. Uh, for yeah. instance, um, after uh, that IPCC report came out, uh, the UN released a six-sector program on how we could uh, get in line, uh, how, how the globe basically could get in line and make sure uh, we don't exceed our one and a half degrees Celsius 
uh, cutoff point uh, for climate change and how we might actually uh, be able to prevent any further warming of the planet. Um, and, and they they roll out this whole six sector plan uh, program, and the whole point they make all this hay about it, where they're like, and you know this does not rely on any emergent technology. This is all based on uh, existing technology, existing programs, existing processes, uh, and um, basically administrative changes. That's all it really is. And they talk about it in such a way that really makes you... Uh, it, it really does my job for me, basically. Yeah, it turn, turns out that it's, uh, it's real easily accessible. It's... well... <laughs> They explicitly say that, like, <laughs> okay, so here, uh, they, they, they explicitly say that, like, most of these issues, most of these problems, right, we could solve. Uh, and that it's, it's just, you know, they, they talk about the, you know, the energy uh, sector and how, uh, you know, we don't need to uh, create new inventions. We can cut 12 and a half gigatons of greenhouse gas emissions annually by just using less energy and making the change towards green energy uh wind power hydroelectric power nuclear power things that are tried and tested and work and aren't the dangerous or unreliable energy sources that you've been made to believe they're just harder to uh you know create artificial scarcities over uh and so there's less money to be made there that's why they're not incentivized um, that's why things like carbon credits have been introduced. But the problem is, uh, as they address in this six center, six sector, uh, solution, um, they have a real problem that even though they offer these carbon credits, it's usually not a big enough incentive to, for these energy companies and for these governments to stop. They're just making too much money out of fossil fuels. They're making too much money off of the automotive industry. They're making too much money off of, uh, you know, industrial pollution. It's There's no reason for them to give up this huge wad of cash in exchange for the pittance that is a carbon credit, especially when there's no global authority there to actually enforce it, where these are just suggestions and guidelines and mm. not rules, not laws. Uh, and even if they were, I mean, the fucking, you know, the world court gets fucking ignored all the time. Look at Israel. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, well, that's the thing, right? Is, is these institutions that we do have, like the world court and the UN, are basically toothless. I, and, I mean, they're built that way. They are built just to symbolically, uh, you know, christen things, basically, and, and to, you know, normalize things, uh, and to, you know, give things legitimacy, not because they actually do anything other than keep the wealthy people wealthy and make sure that any developing country gets stomped to death if they do anything that looks like socialism. It's all right. What? You say socialism? <laughs> Somebody say socialism? So, obviously, you know, the solutions aren't going to be coming from these, these international organizations, right? If, if any solution arrives, it's going to come out of either some sort of corporate structure uh, or through a state government, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you have countries like Israel, for instance. Israel is currently engaged in a pretty massive afforestation effort of the Negev Desert. Um, and in 
typical Israel fashion, they're using it to um, segregate uh, Palestinians, to uh, destroy uh, people's homes, and to literally uh, cover up the ruins of the Arab settlements that were abandoned in 1948 because of the Nakba. Uh, they're, they're literally destroying olive groves that are proof that people live there uh, so that they can justify settlers moving in. Um, and also, a for they're using afforestation, uh, which doesn't work. is a is not a method uh, to reclaim desert that is actually uh, useful in most cases, um, because if there were meant to be trees in that location, there would be more trees. Yeah, it's it would be a forest instead of a damn desert. If it had the the water table and the climate and the wind conditions to be a forest, it probably would be a forest. Now, I know what you're saying, Colin. Oh, the Fertile Crescent. What about the Fertile Crescent? Shut the fuck up. That was 3,000 years ago. Now, another country that's also engaged in a massive afforestation effort is China. Uh, China has been attempting uh, since the 50s, I believe, uh, to reclaim massive portions of the Gobi Desert. Uh, the Gobi Desert, obviously, is the uh, desert that uh, sits on China's uh, northern border and is encompassed by it in certain sections. Um, and it is basically encroaching on mainland China. Uh, China, much like the U.S., had a pretty massive uh, hunger problem. Uh, and so they reacted to that um, in the way that you have to react to if you're that big of a country. And they uh, massively expanded agriculture without consideration for, um, you know, indigenous vegetation, basically. And so they, they've created a situation where... Um, they started planting these massive uh, monoculture forests where they were only planting uh, aspen, poplar, and birch trees um, because of how fast-growing they are and how good they are at um, absorbing carbon. Um, the problem being, uh, between 1978 and 2004, only 15% of the trees planted actually survived the process, actually survived to maturity. Yeah. Um, to the point where they could be making a difference. And because these trees are being planted in areas that never had forests, were scrub or brushland before, um, they're, uh, basically they're, they grow up small and sickly, and they're not good for much besides logging, honestly. Um, the greater problem is that in an attempt to uh, push back uh, against the Gobi Desert and to offset uh, a lot of the pollution that China puts out, uh, ch uh, the state actually uh, started offering cash incentives uh, to farmers um, to plant these monocultures, uh, which basically ended up with people cutting down old growth forests to get the subsidy from the government to plant new growth, which wasn't sustainable. Uh, so According to reports from 2014, uh, the Chinese government, it does look like they are now um, prioritizing planting uh, smaller indigenous vegetation and less monocultured forests, uh, which is a, it's a good sign. Um, and the satellite images that we have do seem to back that up. Um, Mossy Earth is actually um, the reforestation uh, organization uh, that I got some of this information from. 
um, kind of like Planet 2020. They're, they seem to be very transparent in what they do and very transparent in how reforestation can go wrong, uh, even when it's not afforestation, even when it is uh, reintroducing indigenous plants, um, the, the kind of pitfalls that you'd encounter. And also, you know, when you don't do that, when you, when you do monoculture uh, and you destroy that biodiversity, I know we talk about biodiversity so much on the show that it might as well be the fourth fucking chair. Uh, yeah. But it's important, and that's why we talk about it so much. Yeah, the concept of monocultures, I'm sure a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of people remember, or longtime listeners remember from our Monsanto episodes way back in the beginning. We talk a lot about monocultures and how harmful those are. And then again, several times throughout the series, you know, anytime fucking farming comes up. Yeah, so like every other episode. And bananas. <laughs> bananas. Le Grand Michel. <laughs> it's Le Gros Michel. Le Gros Michel. Gross. Gross. Uh, <laughs> Ew. Uh, Alright, so the, and the, now, this is, I don't know if this is technically a call to action, uh, but definitely a recommendation. Um, one of the things that I, I, re, I, I watched in preparation for this was a, a short 30-minute documentary uh, called Fools and Dreamers. It's on YouTube uh, and, and elsewhere, I believe. Uh, if for some reason you don't use YouTube. Um, and it's about how uh, the Hinawai Preserve uh, on Banks Peninsula in New Zealand uh, has basically begun to be successfully reforested. Um, for those of you that don't know, Banks Peninsula was basically, uh, you know, it's this, it's this hilly, um, kind of like uneven terrain uh, that juts off the... the uh, eastern side of the smaller uh, island of New Zealand and basically was completely stripped of any vegetation uh, to be used as farmland um, after the latest wave and then uh, earliest waves uh, the, the latest wave of, of Maori settlers and then the earliest wave of European settlers basically completely uh, wiped a lot of the vegetation out of Banks Peninsula. Um, one gentleman, uh, Hugh Wilson, uh, who's a botanist from New Zealand, uh, basically made it his like life's mission to reforest this area. Uh, ended up working with uh, like a, a private financier who uh, bought a huge portion of Banks Peninsula uh, and then expanded uh, again to conserve it, to basically... Uh, sit there. Uh, it was sloped land uh, that would not be economical for farming. Uh, that they you couldn't really raise uh, livestock on, uh, and so they just uh, fenced it off and sat it there and uh, let uh, the native vegetation try to like reclaim this land. Um, and something he talks about a lot uh, in this documentary is gorse. Uh, now. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know what gorse was, um, but if you're from the United States, you probably know what our equivalent of gorse is, uh, and that is privet. Uh, or in the South, you have another equivalent, kudzu. Um, gorse is basically this super, super hardy weed, basically, that it's incredibly flammable um, and really difficult to get rid of uh, and a huge wildfire risk. Uh, it's one of the reasons that New Zealand has such bad wildfires is the prevalence of gorse. 
Um, but, uh, as Hugh Wilson points out, Gorse is an excellent nurse canopy. So basically, these hardwood seedlings, these hardwood saplings, the trees that are good at maintaining soil integrity, uh, at uh, keeping uh, nutrients locked in the soil, uh, and at sequestering carbon, those kinds of trees, the ones that we want to continue to grow and continue to thrive, those trees do actually really, really well uh, in their early stages uh, beneath some shade, uh, beneath a little bit of a protective canopy, and Gorse does a really good job of that, uh, of not choking out these seedlings. Uh, and then as these hardwoods grow, one of the few things that Gorse can't stand is shade. So when these trees end up growing and form a canopy of their own, the gorse naturally dies away. So this weed that is like the bane and like the, you know, uh, sweat-inducing nightmare of every kiwi farmer basically just dies off if you allow the forest to reassert itself. And, you know, they're, they're lucky enough in this portion of New Zealand to have soil that is capable of supporting... Uh, this new growth forest um, it's not the case everywhere on the planet um, but it is a good I would say a good model for how you should treat the, the land and how you should treat uh, indigenous and in some cases invasive vegetation um, and how really in this case it was a private investor that made this happen and and you know created this this cons uh, conservation area um but in reality the, the the group the organization that has the money and honestly the fucking prerogative to do that is the federal government in the united states uh and state governments across the the world uh it's really up to them ultimately to you know lay down the hammer and kick a lot of the country uh, a lot of the companies out that are doing the damage um and to uh enforce borders on these areas to ensure that uh, if the forest can reassert itself, it is allowed to. With, without real teeth to these things, like Colin is saying, like it, it, it's never going to happen without the enforcement of nature being allowed back into these spaces. Yeah, it's like, like I said, there's not really a call to action this episode because honestly, this is one of those big systemic issues that an individual, you know, as, as much as Hugh Wilson has done in his lifetime, he was only able to do it because he found the right guy with enough money at the right time. And if that hadn't happened, Hugh Wilson would just probably be some, you know, a botanist, a no-name botanist somewhere else in the world, uh, you know, trying to conserve as much as he could. Um, we don't have the luxury of waiting on the charity of our betters um we have you know realistically less than a decade uh before there's nothing we can do and we're we start spiraling we start you know losing uh species at an even uh at an increased exponential rate uh and something that i feel like especially now is really poignant a big problem with deforestation are pandemics because you, when you destroy the natural environment of animals that typically aren't in contact with human beings 
those animals carry diseases that typically aren't in contact with human beings. And then they interact with people. They interact with the animals that people keep. And that's how you get things like swine flu or the coronavirus. Lyme disease. Lyme disease. Another you, big one. And this you're, brand new monkeypox those people are fear-mongering about. Well, the, exactly. the funny thing about, about Lyme disease is we wouldn't be in contact with so many ticks if we didn't destroy the fucking habitats of, like, deer. Yeah, that's that's ticks. the problem. That's the destruction of old-growth forests pushed uh, a lot of deer populations yeah, which, out. Which I feel like that goes back to the point of like, oh, they're saying they're going to, you know, plant all these trees and build all these forests. It's like, cool. That doesn't mean that it's going to fucking make a new habitat. Like, it's it's definitely know. it's a step in the right direction as long as they're using indigenous vegetation and they're doing yeah. it at a rate that the environment can handle. If, but they're not. They're fucking throwing Kentucky bluegrass seeds out there like it's goddamn golf course. I and speaking, it's going to be perfect. And it's gonna look great. Speaking of fucking golf courses, they're also a major contributor to this. Yeah. Ah, golf courses, our old friend. Do you guys know there's a fucking golf course on Mackinac Island? Yeah. Yeah. What if? What if? It, it takes up a lot of the island. What a fucking absolute piece of sacrilege! What? So I'm pretty sure there's one on Harson's Island too. Horrible, horrible bullshit. Unreal. And yet, here we are. And hey, I knew the second that Donald Trump and Mike Pence drove those SUVs on Mackinac Island, they weren't going to win the state. No. If we respect... No. You gotta respect the island! Respect the horses. No motor vehicles on the island, goddammit! That's no... No exceptions. Situations. No exceptions. The president being here is not an emergency. It's like, yeah, and if you look at it, like, I don't even think fucking, uh, I don't think Obama ever visited Mackinac Island. But I don't think Clinton was riding around in an armored SUV. I think he was, like, getting his dick sucked in one of those horse carriages. Wouldn't you if you were Bill Clinton? I mean, if I was Bill Clinton, I'd be raping children on a plane with Jeffrey Epstein. Ah, there we go. Yeah. And Chris Tucker, apparently. Chris Tucker? Chris, Rush Hour's Chris Tucker is on the Epstein flight logs. He was also a close personal friend of Michael Jackson. Well. Defended him in every documentary, except for that last one. <laughs> and when the evidence became too much. Actually, I think he defended him in that one, too. Probably. Yeah. It's man... Uh, again, this is, this is like the nice thing that I get to write about, versus the pedophilia that is just rampant everywhere. That is nice. You know, I was at, it's, a, it's a slight difference. I was at a family meal with my girlfriend, and one of her family members brought up <laughs> brought up the Queen's Jubilee. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it's like the... Oh, the Platinum Jubilee? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like 70 years. Blah, 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 blah. And then I just leaned in close to my girlfriend and went, Prince Andrew's on the flight logs. Prince Andrew's on the flight logs. Dude, that motherfucker... Did you know that... Did you know what his fucking defense for not being a pedophile is? It's he can't sweat. <laughs> he can't sweat. I, I... You see, I'm too inbred. I was born without sweat glands. I'm like I've a... I've had to have been listed since I was a boy. Yeah, the fucking... The, the, the woman who accused Prince Andrew was like, I shook his hand and it was clammy. 
as like a detail of her, she of, did. Of her accusation. Sweat. And he was like, it could not have been me. I, I, I have a specific condition where I do not sweat uh, pointedly. In fact, I was called Dry Boy McGillicuddy throughout my childhood. And I was made fun of it, and I do not. They like called me Dry Dick Andrew, but I showed them in the end with the most because I never could pre moisturizing substance known to man, children. Bathe me in the blood. Of the boy. Bathe me in the stem cells of the Irish. I need to be covered. She, I've never sweat before in my life. I don't I think Prince Andrew has a cool accent. You know, Sean. I don't think Sean Connery is Prince Andrew. She, I've never, I've never. Ah, he, she, he may also. Is, is Sean Connery on the flight logs? Not to my know? knowledge. Not to my knowledge. He's not on the flight logs. She, she, I'm not doing it. She, Jeffrey. The problem is, you see, Mister Epstein, I'm here to fuck your child. Yeah. All right. So before we sorry, we can say that because he's dead. He's dead. That's true, yeah. He, he can't, you he, can't, he can't slander the dead. Um, fuck him, he's a fucking wife-beater anyways. I'm a wife-beater. Any, anyways, uh, we will be back with you once again next week. Thanks for listening to Worst in the Industry. We'll have another one for you in seven days. Bye-bye. Just like I did to your mother, Trebek. I'll take oh, treacherous semen for 600, Trebek. Gislaine Maxwell. real low over one mil and it's still low they all corporate they all cute in suits they on bullshit with all that poop to scoop my shit going up i go root the roof they don't like that they want mute the truth they gonna switch sides they go group to group they want shoot the shit ain't got shit to shoot till i go crazy go and get the baby shark and hit him with the do 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 damn big boy you gotta shoot it with two hands couple john doe come through like who's man's Nah, she blew it like two grams Everyone I lose abuse the fuse hands I'm right there on the edge of insanity Overlooking Vegas, overthinking my vanity You've been throwing shade, I'm enjoying the canopy Everybody dies, so I live out of fantasy Yeah, can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. We well, need to sit the fuck down. Yeah. I don't even talk my shit now unless I got a reason. Everybody watching like Netflix got a new season. I'ma get rich, hit the dealership, get the new bands out. Bottom line 316, like Stone Cold says so. They bury me alive, I was dead broke I've been living in the no-flex zone About to make a move, it's a escrow Cooking in the kitchen, my sauce like magic My pesto like presto Off a little bean, that espresso Little bit of lean like I'm getting over chest cold Got no chain, no, I can't chill A-ball, got me feeling like A-mill Can't stay still, can't feel off a pain kill Got the little orange pill, not the day quill They fake with it, they ain't real they talk about bricks, but they can't build. I'm frank with it. I'm Jake Jill. I only sold gas. I'm Hank Hill. Tank filled with the propane. It's like a 10K grill. It's a throwaway. They never ask if I'm okay. I'm never okay. 
Everybody wanna cut, it's a dry vocal. I'm anti-love, anti-social. I'm bipolar, I'm bi-coastal. I might buy one and go postal. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit the fuck down.